Hi there, and welcome back to another episode. I am so happy that you're here with me, and I say it like that because today I'm going to talk about happiness and joy and how we can reach for those things while we're going through a divorce that yes, we actually can experience joy during that awful journey and we can feel happy. So let me get into this um, because this was one of the biggest discoveries that I made during my divorce. It's really the, well, I, I think I keep saying this, but it's really one of the big reasons I wanted to do this work and why I wanted to start this podcast to share with you that this massive event in your life that's shaking everything up, and even though it's really hard, it can also be really joyful. So let's get into this today and talk about joy and happiness. Welcome back to another episode of A Blessing in Divorce. I am so grateful to be allowed into your headset and day today. My name is Elizabeth, and I am the host of this podcast and the owner and founder of The Separation Club, which is the club you never wanted to be part of, but the best club to be in if you're going through separation and divorce. Here we talk about how to heal, move forward, and find love if you're so inclined. Also, motherhood through divorce, finding yourself, and creating the life you deserve. Our tools are community, sisterhood, retreats, honesty, vulnerability, spirituality, and coaching. And that's when we aren't talking to our experts. I'm also a divorced mother of four adult sons, remarried, and a stepmom to three. So we will be talking about everything that goes with all of that here. If you are recently separated, thinking of separating, divorcing, or even beyond your divorce, but still feeling it, then this is the podcast for you. All right, welcome back. Let's start with putting some definitions in place so that we all know what we're talking about and we're all coming from the same place and so I can avoid being accused of toxic positivity. And let me just say, I usually record these episodes in the morning because I feel the most inspired then. But today, I struggled to sit down and get this done. I was so worried about saying something wrong and about coming across as promoting toxic positivity. So let's talk about that for a minute. Toxic positivity is invalidating and ignoring someone's negative feelings, which is not at all what I'm trying to do here. It can make someone feel really guilty about feeling bad or not happy in any given moment. And it can really create an environment where people feel unsafe expressing how they feel because they might be criticized or ridiculed or simply just dismissed and told, oh, don't be so negative. Look at the positive. And I get that, that that's not the right way to do things. I mean, I work with women who are going through the worst possible time in their lives. I've been doing this for four years now. I do not just turn around and say to them, oh, stop crying. Look at the positive. Of course not. I I really want everyone, you and them and myself to feel safe always and be in an environment where I can you know, feel safe sharing my feelings. And I want to create that here for you, where you can feel that it's okay to be in a bad place. Of course it is. I don't agree with making someone feel bad about that. However, I also believe that most of the time we have a choice in how we choose to look at something. And therefore, we, because of that, have a choice in how we feel. Feeling negative or positive about something at any given time 
is often a matter of perspective, and we can choose which perspective we use in any given situation. But I also feel like just because the word toxic is now associated with positivity, we're again doing ourselves a disservice by making it more acceptable to feel negative than to feel positive. That somehow we're honoring people in a bigger way when we see their pain instead of helping them feel more joy. For example, I mean, how could you possibly feel positive and happy and joyful during a divorce, right? Well, I can tell you from my own personal experience and from the work that I do that you can. I did and you can. No, I did not ignore my pain or grief at all. I went to therapy. I talked to my friends. I cried. I drank too much wine and I did all of those things. But I also chose to feel positive and see the positive whenever I could because it always made me feel better than doing the opposite. That's just the reality of it. Sometimes it was easy. Other times I had to fake it till I make it. But always it resulted in feeling better. You know, the only times that I didn't feel good was if I felt really badly about myself and I was in the place where I couldn't let the feelings come out. And I've talked about those situations before and I won't get into that today. But I want you to know I fully hear you and see you and feel you when you say or feel or thinking or asking right now, but what if I feel like crap every day? I get that. And and I understand that there's a reason for that. But maybe, maybe after this podcast, you can start to find a little bit of light in your day. And maybe over time, that light can start to grow. And wouldn't that be okay? You don't have to ignore your pain. You don't have to ignore the healing that needs to be done. But you are allowed to feel good as well. You're allowed to have good moments in between the pain. You know, I remember one moment, I just suddenly came to me, and I want to share this with you. Um, My third child was stillborn, which was probably the very worst thing I've ever gone through in my life. Not probably. It was. It was devastating. And I remember the day he was buried and we went back to my in-laws. This was many years ago. And we were just sitting around. And I mean, I had literally been crying for for like over a week. And I was sitting here at their house. I felt so weird. Like it was just a horrible feeling. I was in so much pain. And I remember somebody made a joke. And so at this point, I wasn't crying because I was distracted by the conversation. And yes, somebody made a joke and I laughed. I laughed out loud and then I caught myself and I was like, I literally like ran out of the room and started crying, not because of the pain in that moment, not because of the grief in that moment, but because I felt so guilty laughing. How could I possibly allow myself to laugh and feel any sense of happiness or humor or joy or whatever it was that I felt in that moment? when I had just lost my baby. So I can tell you this, I didn't grieve him any less because I laughed in that moment. I didn't love him any less. I didn't stop crying because of that laugh. But for a little moment, I got a break from it. For a little moment, I got to rest from it. And it was actually my mother-in-law who reminded me, you don't have to cry all the time to love him. You know, if you feel happy in a moment, then that's okay. 
And that's what I want to say to you. I know you're in pain. And I know this is sad and hard and you're angry and resentful and all of those things. And you need to work through those feelings. But today, I want to bring a little bit of happiness to you. And I want to encourage you to allow yourself to feel it. And not only that, but to look for it. To allow yourself to feel happy. To allow yourself to choose to feel good, even if it's just for a few minutes. All right. So I did say in the beginning that we were going to put some uh, definitions in place. So (laughs) then I got rambling. So let's do that now. The Merriam-Webster definition of joy is the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires, which is delight. Also, joy is the emotion of great delight caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying, which I have to tell you the last part is more how I tie into joy. Honestly, the dictionary definition of happiness is extremely similar, but it all gets more interesting when we put the two up against each other. After reading Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart, I have really embraced the practice of defining my feelings and states of being really specifically instead of throwing a bunch of them under the same umbrella as we tend to do. And in this case, the umbrella is called happiness. We don't tend to necessarily talk about joy and exactly the difference between joy and happiness. We tend to, like I said, just use the word happiness to cover all of that. But I'm guessing that if I asked you directly, if the two are exactly the same, then you probably like me would feel that there's a difference. And it is exactly in that word, feel, you would feel that there is a difference. The words feel different. When someone asks us what we want out of life, we might say things like happiness, wealth, success, and love. And we want all of these things because they bring us happiness. If we have those things, then we'll be happy. And therein lies the problem. We tend to tie our happiness to outside circumstances, often outside of our control, instead of an inner feeling which we can control. And that, to me, is joy. The inner feeling in our hearts and beings of joy. It can be momentary or longer. It can be fleeting or lasting, but always good. And in my opinion, always available. So joy results from our inner peace and a general satisfaction with who we are and the moment that we're in, or perhaps a bigger moment. Happiness, like I said, is the result of an external force that brings satisfaction to us. Joy, the source of joy, is within ourselves and the source of happiness is external. Joy tends to have more of a a moral attribute or more of a are more tied to things like our integrity and our values and our inner belief system. Whereas happiness is often more materialistic. I think we're all talking about the same thing now, hopefully. So another way to say it is that living in or living with joy is the journey. And we do that so we can achieve the things that make us happy. All right. Happiness is a goal a place that most of us can't really define. So what often happens when I'm teaching people in my courses or coaching them and they tell me that I just want to be happy, I always ask the same question. What does happiness look like to you? What does it feel like? What does that mean? How will you know 
when you're happy. And I guess that to me is where when I feel joy in the things that I do in my life, when I can find the joy in my experiences, that would be my definition of that. We try to find the definition and it ends up being about things and situations. And again, most of us feel that we can't control how those things come into our life. So we chase happiness, but we generally feel unhappy because we're unsatisfied because we don't have the things that we don't have, the things that we want. But what if on our way to having those things, we choose to feel the joy on the journey and to embrace the small experiences on our way? How different would our human experience here on earth be if we allowed for that? And when I, when my divorce happened and my marriage ended and my life was flipped upside down, Joy was one of the last things I was feeling, okay? Like, absolutely. I was everything else. Angry, resentful, grieving, sad, horrified, upset, betrayed. Like, you name it. I was feeling it. All on the negative side, by the way. But as time passed and, you know, we're talking two to three months, I really started to see this pattern of negativity in my life. This pattern of embracing the negative feelings, of focusing on and dwelling on the bad things that were happening. I'd look for them. I'd look for evidence of them. I would prove to myself every single day that my life just simply sucked. Okay. It was just awful what I was going through. What I wasn't embracing or even allowing the opportunity to show up, or even if it did show up, I wouldn't have noticed because I was so focused on the other stuff. There's no way I was allowing for any kind of joy or happiness at all. And, you know, it was reinforced by friends, well-meaning friends who wanted to support me and be there for me. But even when I was potentially with someone who could distract me from all this negativity, well, what did they want to talk about? How are you doing, Elizabeth? What's going on in your life? You know, tell me what happened yesterday or whatever. And back into the negative story I was. And this is where you have a choice. You can choose to live in the story, which means usually means living in the past. It means living in the moments that have already happened. Let's try to find new moments because we're heading forward. Like we want to heal. We want to feel better. We want to be happy. We want to be past this, right? We have to look forward. Instead of waiting for happiness and waiting to feel good, waiting for the divorce to be over, waiting for a settlement, waiting for your ex to do what they're probably never going to do, waiting for who knows what, which is what we do. We hang our happiness on this thing, all these things that must fall into place so that we can feel better. Instead of waiting, instead of hanging our hat on other people, our happiness hat, our joy, start to embrace the journey. You know, when I look back on everything that happened and how my life has gone since then, it is very evident that the choice that I made those three months in to flip it and flip my perspective and start focusing on the positive, it literally changed my life. There was nothing toxic about it. It was a deliberate choice to feel good, a deliberate choice to choose to feel positive about things, to look at things differently, to try to use humor every now and then instead of anger, to choose to be optimistic and believe that it's going to work out instead of constantly being in fear and worry that it wasn't going to work out. Those were the little things that I did. And you can do that too, by the way. 
as you go forward, you can try to enjoy the silly and ridiculous and the little things that happen. Uh, a sweet kindness from a friend, a hug from a child, a cuddle with a pet, a nice walk, a bird singing in the morning, a gorgeous sunny day, beautiful sunset, beautiful sunrise, a delicious cup of coffee, a barista who took a little extra time with you. It's little moments where you allow yourself to say, that felt good, thank you, or I really enjoyed that. And just the thing is, when we, when we acknowledge, so this is mindfulness, by the way, when we acknowledge those moments, they become bigger. When we are so blinded by all the negative feelings, we first of all don't even notice them. They can't get any bigger. But if you go into every experience saying to yourself, like you walk into the coffee shop and say, I'm going to enjoy this experience of being in this coffee shop. And you start looking around. Now you're going to notice anything positive. Maybe someone said something funny at another table, but you overheard it and you giggled and you smiled at them. It's a moment of joy. Yes, that is joy. It's a good feeling. It's a, it's a feeling that aligns with a, a higher part of yourself, a happier part of yourself, a part of yourself that exists with your values. You are foundationally, fundamentally, you were born to be a happy person and a joyful person and to spread joy and happiness to the world and those people you love, right? Well, that person's still there. It's just been really kind of shit on lately and you know, it just doesn't feel so good anymore, but she's still there. So allow that to come out and just simply walk into a moment and just open your mind and your eyes to, I'm going to enjoy the five minutes. I'm in this coffee shop getting my coffee. I'm going to look at the people. I'm going to enjoy their moments, if nothing else. I'm going to enjoy the service I'm getting from the barista, whatever. Just take a moment. And then when that happens, let it grow. Just say thank you and hold your gaze for a moment. Savor the first sip of your latte. Whatever it is, savor, enjoy, notice, be mindful, and be grateful. Grateful, being grateful or gratefulness practice is a huge way to bring moments of joy into your life. And then the more gratitude you can you can incorporate in your day, the longer it lasts, the feeling lasts, you can even go back to it. If you're sitting on the couch later that evening feeling lousy and just it's overcoming you again, the tears are flowing, maybe you can say to yourself, oh, but that coffee was really good this morning. I am so grateful for the time the barista took to make that cup of coffee for me. I'm going to go back there tomorrow so I can feel that again. It's just a moment but I'm telling you, it helps. When I started incorporating a gratitude practice, it literally changed my life. It was the thing that I did that flipped the switch that three months, four months in after we got separated. It was me literally saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't wake up and start my day crying. Cannot do it anymore. I need to start on a more positive note. Somebody told me about gratitude and that's what I started. It took me about I don't know, two minutes in the morning to go through four or five things that I'm great, grateful for. I did it every single morning. It literally changed my life because I would be grateful for things that matter a great deal to me, like my children, my relationship with my sons, their health, my health. It was like, okay, there is something good in my life. I feel joy about those things. If I can do it, you can do it. 
So why is it that when you go into a coffee shop and somebody spends extra time on you, that's an opportunity for joy? Well, I think you know where I'm going with this. It's about energy, right? And that's why when we focus on negative things and everybody else talks about negative things around us, then everything is more negative. Also energy. Energy begets energy. We attract like a magnet the energy that we put out. You know, I heard I actually heard today on a different podcast that when someone walks into a room, this is science apparently, when someone walks into a room, <clears throat> it only takes four seconds for everyone else to feel the energy carried into the room by that person. Four seconds. But when I think about it, it's so true. You know, when you notice the door opens and you look over and you see someone walk in and you immediately get that feeling off them. It's the frequency that they have about them that carries the information. It's pretty incredible when you really think about four seconds, but we've all heard it. Like it takes, you know, how many seconds for someone to make their first first um, observation of you or make their first judgment call on you, right? And so we all do the same thing. This person walks in, whether we know them or not, and within seconds, we've already decided if we like them or not, like in very simple terms. So what is the frequency that you're carrying? What are people sensing from you or feeling coming off you in the first four seconds that they are in the presence of you? What is the energy that you're carrying and what is the energy you want to be carrying? Is it the same? When you think about that, also think about, you know, the energy that you're focusing on. If you are in a negative energy, in a negative place, then people around you will sense that. It will affect our interaction with the people around us. It, it will affect how they interact with us, of course. And it also affects what happens to us as a result because we're coming from this place. Let's say it's negative. The people around us sense it and they're going to be responding from that place, either weary of you because you're negative or that feeling that they're getting off you, not knowing where you're coming from. Or they're simply just going to be more rejecting because of it. So what are the experiences that you might have as a result of that? You might walk into a room and feel like nobody likes me. Nobody likes me. You leave. You feel lousy. You felt lousy when you walk in and you feel even worse when you leave. Well, is it because nobody likes you? Or is it because they just got a vibe off you that things were not good or that you were maybe they felt hostility or they felt anger off you and they just didn't feel comfortable around you. It's perspectives, right? So let's be mindful of the energy that we are focusing on and then the energy that we carry around us. Now, again, I'm gonna, I will remind you, of course, no one expects you to be positive all the time. But we can neutralize our energy a little bit. We can choose to take that deep breath, to ground yourself. Let's say you're going into something that you really don't want to go to, but you have to go, obligations, whatever it may be, and you're having a bad day. Take a moment in the car to cry, to unload and let go of that energy. Take a few breaths, do some pranayama, some special breathing, maybe a, a two-minute meditation, like a self-love meditation from YouTube, just something to ground yourself and remind yourself of the good things in your life, like you, your health, your how, what a beautiful human being you are, how deserving you are of 
friendship, of love, of the people around you, and that life is going to get better for you. Now you walk in with that energy. Maybe not bubbling over, but more hopeful, more neutral, if nothing else, right? It certainly is better than focusing on the past, the fighting, the abuse, being a victim, and then kind of letting that energy be what floats around you. The thing is, we were put on this earth to create. We were put on this earth to be abundant and happy and joyful. We were always intended to have everything we ever wanted. It's what, it's our birthright. It's what we're here to do. We are meant to be creative beings. And there's so much available creation in us. We all want great things. We all want happiness and joy. We want it for ourselves. We want it for other people. We're generous of nature. We're loving and kind. Focus on those feelings and then tune into creating your own life. You know, that was the greatest freedom that I felt after, you know, my marriage ended. And once I got my head above water and filled my cup up with happiness again and joy was this knowing that I'm like a blank slate. It's like my life just hit a reset. It's like when you go on your computer and you hit control, alt, delete, delete everything. Let's start again. That's kind of what you're doing. And you can create any life for yourself that you want. You can create your own version of happiness. What is your version? What is your definition of joy and happiness? What brings you joy? What does happiness look like and feel like to you? Really get clear on those things. So in the beginning, I promised you I was going to give you five steps to embrace more joy and happiness. And really what I'm giving you five steps to do is to start creating because that is what's going to give you joy and happiness in your life. So here are the five things. Number one, know what you want. And this again, you know, is hard when we're going through divorce to sit down and go, well, I don't know what I want. I want my divorce to be over and I don't even know what I'm going to end up with and the money and the settlement and I don't know where I'll be living. I get it. I get it. You don't have to know all those things. Just know what you want. I want a peaceful life. I want to feel joy every day. I want freedom. I want a good job. I want to make lots of money. I want to meet a new partner. I don't know what you want. You tell me. You tell yourself. What do you want? Just write a long list. A list that maybe you add to. Maybe you keep it on your phone. But if you don't start even thinking about what you want, I promise you, all your thoughts and all your efforts and all your, well, your creativity, I should say, will be stifled by what's going on right now. You'll get sucked into the negativity of what's happening with the past, like the divorce and the legal and all that. Yes, you have to address it, but it doesn't have to be what determines your life and runs your life every day. So just start flexing your want muscle, start getting clear on what you want. Because if you can't even define that, if you can't even say what you want out of your life, well, I can guarantee you, you'll never have it. And I will challenge you to go a little bit or to reach a little higher than, well, I just want my divorce to be over. 
Okay, what happens when your divorce is over? That's the part I want you to tap into, okay? So write a list of what you want. And then number two is getting a handle on what stands in your way. And this is, again, not your divorce. I understand that that's part of it. But there are other things that stand in your way, like limiting beliefs, um, lack of self-worth, self-doubt, lack of um, confidence, you know, also things like that we've been taught in life, whether it's from our relationship or from our parents or both. You might have been taught things like life has to be hard and, you know, I don't know, all those things like money doesn't grow on trees and only some people get to do these great things and you're not one of those people. Like these are the kinds of things that we get taught, you know, in childhood by teachers, by our parents, whatever. Identify those things that stand in your way. The list might be long, but identify them. Just write them down. So for now, that's really all I want you to do. But as you continue doing this work, whether it's with me or your coach or, you know, somebody else, once you know what's standing, now you know what you want and you know what's standing in your way, now you can work on getting rid of those things, overcoming those things, learning to blow up those things so that you can get closer to what you want, right? And that brings us to number three is to do the work to get rid of the old BS or belief systems, right? Like, you know, like I said earlier, you need to know what stands in the way. That's number two. And number three is doing the work. And again, this might seem really daunting when you look at your list from number two, one at a time, one little chip at a time, nothing huge. You don't have to change who you are. Just address them one at a time. And a great way to do that is with a coach. This is the work that I do with my clients every single day. Um, And having said that, I want to invite you right now to join. There's a course that we're starting tomorrow. We're calling it Healing from Abuse and Moving Forward with Your Life. Um, But it's really for anyone who's been in a relationship that has trampled on your confidence, trampled on your self-worth, and you want more for yourself, you've been fired up by what I've talked about today, then you will benefit from this course that I'm running with Chanel. I'll put all the details down below in the show notes. There's one other thing that I also know that you can do that will make a tremendous difference, and that's join me for a retreat in Costa Rica. This retreat is all about self-love, self-worth, and really coming home to yourself, really connecting with who you are, and your joy. If you've been listening to this and just thinking, I don't know how to tune into my joy, well, come to Costa Rica and do it with us. It's, you know, this is a trip, there are women on that trip that are literally have never traveled before. They had to get passports to come on this trip. They made this choice because they want to reach higher. They want to step into a new version of themselves. They want to come as part of creating a life for themselves that includes retreats in Costa Rica. So whatever you're trying to create in your life, whatever it is that you want to create for yourself, whatever it is that brings you joy, a sense of freedom, a sense of or feeling or freedom and choice and happiness and abundance and all those things, tune into the feeling of it and really start dreaming about what's available to you. 
And that brings me to number four. Check yourself. Are you available to receive these things? Are you able to be open? You know, it can be really hard to... It's a lot easier to ask for things we want than it is to receive them. And that might sound silly. Like, of course I can receive abundance. Well, it's not as easy as we sometimes think. Because sometimes receiving means opening our heart. It means allowing new experiences. It means doing things that might feel really scary because we've never done it before. Like this client of mine who had to go get a passport so that she could come to Costa Rica. The whole idea of going really scared her, but she knew she had to do it. This was part of her stepping into her new self. This part of herself of creating this new, joyful, abundant life for herself where she is now a woman who travels, right? So we're leaving in, I don't know, five or six weeks. There's still time to sign up. Okay, I'll stop talking about Costa Rica, but all of these, uh, all of that information will be below. So number four, like I said, is check yourself and that you're available for receiving. And some of the ways that we become available for it is to really tune into the, like the limiting beliefs, of course, and blowing those up, but also the feelings around it. Do you feel worthy? Do you feel that you're the kind of person who has these things? Maybe you need to do some self-image work. Maybe you need to do some work around self-love and self-worth so that you can really step into creating your new life, your new abundant, joyful, amazing life. It is here for you. It is available to you. It just You just have to open the door. And that brings me to number five. Start living the life that you said you wanted, number one, now start living from that place it is one of the most impactful things i learned from a coach once upon a time it was to learn to live from your goal so when you look at that list of things that you want and those feelings that you want to have with it like joy and happiness and abundance start living from that place now and that's all the work that i've been talking about in this episode when you invite in moments of joy and let them grow, when you allow yourself to feel happy sometimes, when you allow yourself to make choices to create something better for yourself and not just dwell on the past and the negative things, then you are living from that place of where you want to be one day. And in fact, it you didn't start living it now. You actually can have it now. I invite you, I encourage you, I I hold space for you to do this. I am holding your hands. I am paving the way. I'm standing in front of you. I will catch you if you're falling. I know you can do this. I believe in you. I believe in you so much. I know you can. I know you can because I did. And I still do. I want this for you. And I want you to want this for you as well. And even if that's really hard for you right now, let me believe in you. Let me want this for you and hold that space for you. And then you can tiptoe into it as you feel ready. I want to thank you for being with me on this podcast. It felt like a really important episode. And i it's such a big part of how... I am now living my dream, which is literally doing this work, speaking on this podcast here with you, running these retreats, 
I sometimes have to pinch myself. I can't believe that I created all this. It's time for me to end today's episode. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for showing up for yourself today. Um, Let me remind you of the five things that I went through, which is number one, know what you want. Number two, know what stands in your way. Number three, do the work to get rid of the old BS belief systems. Number four, check yourself, make sure you're available for receiving. And number five, live the life you desire now. Because if you're not living the things that you want, then you're living in the past. So that's what I want for you. We are here to help you and support you on this journey through the courses, through the retreats, through our coaching and our support. I'm hoping I'll see you in one of those places. And of course, again, all the details are below. Have the most beautiful day. I'll see you next time.